Hey folks, thanks for checking out Missio Church in Niner, Iowa. You are listening to audio recorded at our Sunday morning service. If you'd like any more information on the gospel or would like to learn more about Missio Church, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Missio Mount Air. Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Grass withers, the flower fades. Word of our God stands forever. So this morning we're heading into the fourth teaching of these six pericopes or sections here where Jesus is saying, we've mentioned this several times, right? He says, you've heard it said of old, some command or some interpretation of, the, of a command and found in Scripture, but also just the Pharisees had built upon these commands. You've heard it said of old, but I say to you, and six times here in, that Matthew records for us, six different instances, Jesus mentions, uses this refrain. You've heard it said of old, but I say to you. And there's a, there's a general theme. It's, it's, it's interesting trying to work through these because we, we did the Beatitudes like all in one big fell swoop, which we could have taken like each Beatitude and gone slowly through each one. And then we're taking these six and you can almost run through them in one fell swoop instead of individualizing them because really there's one big idea coming out of all six of these sections. These, um, I don't think this is the, the sum total of the ideas that things Jesus cares about. Like it isn't like, okay, so he cares about anger, about lust, about marriage, about the words you speak, about retaliation, and about loving your enemies. Those six things, and as long as you get those six things right, then you've fulfilled the law of Jesus. That's, that's not the way he's thinking of this. There's something bigger going on in Jesus' teaching here. Um, in one sense, our responsibility this morning is to rightly handle Jesus' specific teaching on the truthfulness of his people. Yes, he's saying, don't take oaths, don't swear falsely, let your yes be yes, let your no be no, be, don't, don't mix those things up. That at one, one aspect, one reality is handling that section. But if that's the extent of what we see, I think we're focusing, you know, the saying that you miss the forest for the trees or a tree. You know, you don't see the, the, the grand thing that's going on because you're so focused in on one little element. So what is the big idea? Just to remind us, like, in some ways this is a good, it's good because this means six weeks Though we've been saying different things, we're, we're really saying the same thing over and over again for six weeks. We're saying the same thing over and over again. In the introduction, I mentioned the big idea, kind of of the whole Sermon on the Mount, 
is it's instruction on how the king's people live like the king's people, right? It's not how they become the king's people, but now that we are his disciples, now that we are the king's people, here's how the king's people live their lives. We have the Beatitudes, the call to be salt and light, this transition statement that Jim preached on for us, right? Of Christ did not come to abolish the law, but he is the fulfillment of the law. And Sinclair Ferguson, in his uh, teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, he says this whole section really can be summed up in one word. It's the word fulfillment. It's the word fulfillment. That ever since this transition statement of Jesus, where he says, I've come to fulfill the law, Christ is the true fulfillment of the law. He actually lives it perfectly. He is righteous through and through. He fulfills the law. And yet, there is following, flowing from Christ's fulfillment of the law. There's this incredible call for his people to fulfill the law from the heart as well. Okay, So there's this fulfillment theme going on. Christ is the fulfillment in his perfection, but he also, in his people, is seeking for a truer level of fulfillment than there ever has been before, right? He's seeking for a truer fulfillment. He's calling for his people to walk out a different relationship with the law than existed before, seeking not to just fulfill the letter of the law through a strict constraint, through tricky maneuvering, but truly seeking to fulfill the law from the heart, right? That's why anger is not just about not actually murdering each other. It's saying, well, then I fulfilled the law because I haven't murdered anyone. And it's funny how you ever get like people will still, I, I thought that was, I used to make fun of that and realize people still use this phrase of like, well, I'm not terrible. I've never murdered anyone or anything as though that's the bar of like being a decent person. I haven't murdered anyone. Well, that's great. I'm glad we have that box checked. But that's hardly a very high standard. Um, and, and so Jesus is not just listing out here and, and calling for his people for some sort of strict um, law keeping that you can maneuver around and manipulate to do what you want to do. But I observe the law. He's calling for a higher fulfillment from his people such that our desire to, to fulfill God's law doesn't just come through external constraints but by new hearts that want to live to please God and to honor our king, resting in Christ's ultimate fulfillment and seeking all the more to see true fulfillment in ourselves. So the heartbeat behind working through the Sermon on the Mount is not just assembling a volume of behaviors that the Christian is to work on like some sort of new checklist. Jesus goes through these six different sections of behavior but the bigger point being made, there is a bigger point being made by Jesus in the whole section. First and foremost, Jesus is the perfect fulfillment of the law. But that righteousness then rolls down to his people. That righteousness is not a mere external conformity put on for show. Jesus calls for something deeper from his people. And that is what's being stressed over and over and over again, right? We're not walking out of these doors on a Sunday morning after we've gathered, we read this section here. We're not walking out of the door with a, a new and fresher checklist of things to do. 
the intent is to be walking out here with new hearts that seek to please the king. And here's what that looks like. From the heart, obeying and being obedient, living out uh, the reality of the king's people. The king's people are not to be people of the mere letter of the law, but seeking to live out the heart of the law. So the text, I don't, I don't think that's kind of introduction. And I don't think the exposition of the text is really all that hard, is it? I mean, there, there is just this kind of plain uh, reality to the text of paying attention, being careful what you say. To not swear falsely, there's the obvious level of don't swear falsely, don't make lies, <laughs> don't say you'll do one thing and do a different thing, but just the whole idea of bringing these oaths and promises in and trying to minimize what that is, what those mean, so that you can keep the law in an external way but missing the heart of it. This is a specific example this morning, and knowing this overarching theme of these six examples we can see the heart behind this message. So we know the third commandment is, right, don't take the Lord's name in vain. And at a very basic level, that is not saying God, except when you are praying to him or speaking about him. So we do not use Jesus Christ in a way that is, that is not speaking to him or about him to someone, right? And that's a very basic level of not taking God's name in vain. But really the idea is, is not um, falsely uh, taking responsibility or adding God's weight to your statements when you don't mean it. This teaching is not just regarding the third commandment, but there are lots of warnings in Scripture to let your vows stand, to not make a vow. Better to not even vow, Proverbs tells us, than to vow and not pay. And there's all this seriousness in, in, in the scriptures regarding God's people and their, and their language. There's this demand for the king's people to be a truthful people. That when we, when we make a vow or a promise, we are to keep it. But you can see what then begins to happen with the religious. And if we're just gathered here this morning as religious people, not, not Jesus followers, not people who have been made new by the king, not as the king's people, but just religious observers, you can see the danger that then comes in with a rule like that. If we're not to break any serious vows, here's an easy out. Just make less serious vows. <laughs> Don't, don't, don't bring God into your vows. Just, just leave God out of it. Instead, say, I swear by heaven, or I swear by the earth, or I swear by the hairs on my head, but just leave God out of it. See, it's a lesser vow, and so I'm safer. I can break those vows because it isn't taking God's name in vain. I'm taking some other place in vain. There's ways to make less serious vows, and this is what was happening you make a less serious vow just for the purpose of being able essentially to break it or never having to vow at all so that you don't have to feel bad when you don't follow through with your word. And that's the three examples, right, that we see here in this text. Jesus says, Do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, the king's city. And, and Jesus ties all these back. You can't, in some sense, 
He's saying you swear by heaven, that's where God lives. You actually are swearing by God. Earth's footstool, he did make it. You actually are bringing God. God is everywhere. The, the Jerusalem, that's the king's city. God rules over Jerusalem. Actually, there's no way for you to not bring God into your speech if you are his people. Every element, there is no skirting around this issue. There is no way to get by with this, with this swearing to God. To, to avoid swearing with God as your witness and taking God's name in vain in some regard, people were saying, swear by something else. It's not quite as lying with your fingers, you know, crossed behind your back. You say, I, you know, I swear it's the truth. And the kids will pull, ah, I have my fingers crossed. I didn't really mean it. It's not quite as bad as that. But, but that's, that's what the point, that's what they're, they're getting, that's what Jesus is getting at. It's ruining the whole spirit of the law. So another, I remember I had the, the silly example of the baseball, but uh, of don't touch it. But anyway, I won't share that one. But It'd be like making a rule for your kids to keep the floor of their room clean, right? You just want their floor, we want it clean, I want it picked up, I don't want any stuff all over your floor, all your toys and stuff, off the floor, clean the floor of your room. So what does a kid do? They, they, they put up a ton of shelves around their, ha- around their room. And so the, everything they have, they stuff the shelves as much as they can. You walk into their room and you feel like it's going to fall in upon you. The floor doesn't have anything on it. But the walls are crammed with stuff. But then they run out of room on the shelves. So what do they do? They start bringing furniture in. And so they've got a desk here and a table here and a chair over here. And all the stuff is piled up on it, just ready to tip off of it. But the floor is clean, right? They've kept the floor clean, which is the rule. Then they run out of room. So what do they do? They bring in a rug. And they put a rug down and they pile stuff on the rug. But underneath the rug, the floor is clean. Isn't it so, so they're keeping the rule by breaking it in every way possible, yet keeping the letter of the law and missing out the whole heart of the law. It, the law is kept technically, the floor is clean, you just can't see it or walk on it or, or use it at all because it's buried by rugs and things, but, but it's there and it's clean and it's, it's, it's keeping of the law. And that may be, there may be a way to argue for that and win by the letter of the law, but it totally breaks the heart of the law, doesn't it? And this is what Jesus is getting at. There's this, his, the king's people don't have this list of laws, this list of rules, and, and then we sit around and begin to think in our mind, how can, I, how can I get as close to breaking this law without breaking the law? You know, I said with anger, when we were talking about that, and murder, it's like, how close can I get to murdering you without actually taking your life and all of those are okay. I can ruin your life. I can beat you up. I can say horrible things about you. But so long as I don't cross that line of murdering you, then I must be okay. That's breaking the heart of the law. And Jesus is calling, Jesus is calling for a higher fulfillment of the law from his people. Not just a rote keeping of the letter of the law, but from a heart seeking to please their king in every element. The standard that Jesus is calling for here is that honesty and truthfulness are desired goods, not cumbersome and unfortunate obligations. <laughs> honesty and truthfulness are desired goods, not cumbersome and unfortunate obligations. You know, I, reading the commentaries on this, and there are actually, like, there are some Quakers who hold to this idea that, like, taking an oath 
just in any regards is wrong. Like you should never take an oath. Like you would get on the stand and you say, I'm not taking an oath. I have a religious conviction. I cannot take an oath. They can't hold public office. They wouldn't take any sort of an oath because scripture says, don't take up an oath. And I think that's pushing it too far. That, that Jesus himself in the trial, he goes before Pontius Pilate and says, you know, swear by this or whatever. Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answers, you have said so. And he, he, so he doesn't say, oh, hold on, I can't, I can't go under oath. He's not worried about that. Paul, in many places, actually says, as the God of my witness. So it isn't that it can't be done in that way. It, 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 it's speaking of the heart of what Jesus is putting forward. This, this desire to be truthfulness in everything that we say. John Stott in his commentary says, What Jesus emphasized in his teaching was that honest men do not need to resort to oaths. They don't need to resort to oaths. It was not that they should, it was not that they should refuse an oath if required by some external authority to do so. So his teaching is that we should be people that I don't have to say to you when you tell me whatever you when we're having a conversation. This is the truth, I swear to you. As soon as I say to you, what I'm telling you is the truth, what have I just done? I've devalued everything else I've just said. The other stuff, it was kind of true, but this, I swear to you, this is the truth. When you make an oath, in some way you devalue every other conversation you have because you say, this time I mean it, the other times I kind of mean it. No, we're not to be those kind of people. We're supposed to say what we mean. Speak honestly, truthfully, live honestly not needing to make an oath or to say those things because we are people of truth. James, uh, boy, if you want to talk about language or the tongue, read the book of James. There is just, it's filled with content on the tongue and speech. But James says in chapter 5, verse 12, But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes, and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. You can hear him quoting Jesus, can you not? That there is this desire that we are to be people who from the heart are glad to be honest people. We don't need oaths in that way. We, just what we say is the truth. Let your yes be yes, and your no be no. So then, what does this mean on the ground for us? The king's people, what does it mean? to let our yes and no be simply our yes and our no. So three applications I have here. The king's people, first, we speak consistently. The king's people are not to be giving affirmations one day and then condemnations the next. This does 